wait till the time is right before you give yourself over to a man. True love waits. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I've done this in many marriages. Usually I bring up this passage. Verses uh, 4 of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, a grudge over somebody's head, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Listen to this. Love never fails, but there is are gifts of prophecy. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. Listen to this. Joe was patient. Joe is kind. Joe is not jealous. <laughs> it doesn't fit me, does it? Let me read this. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not jealous. Jesus does not brag. Does it fit? It fits, doesn't it? See, that's the way love is supposed to be. You know, like Jesus. He wouldn't do these things. Jesus bears all things. He rejoices in truth. He believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never fails. Jacob is madly in love with this lady, and he's going to go the distance, which is one of the attributes. Love goes the distance. True love. And number three, Love has a company, is accompanied by works. If you love the Lord, you'll keep His commandments, He said. You will abide in His love just as He has kept His Father's commandment and abides in His Father's love. So Jacob's penniless. He has to work. He doesn't have money to purchase her or give Laban uh, a dowry for her. He has no compensation, therefore he has to work for Laban. It seemed as only a few days. So what should we do if you really have true love? Even for those of us that are married here today, or those that are engaged or over the internet and are engaged, you got to be patient. you got to be kind. You should never quit for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. You know how many people bail on those issues? They bail. That's not true love to begin with. And love is willing to wait. Laban waited seven years, he thought, to get Rachel. Here in the next verses, we're going to see is irony going on here. The deceiver has been deceived um, even seven years later. He worked for the seven years. They seemed like just a week to him. And uh, now he's going to be deceived again. He's sowing. He's getting what he sowed. That's just the way it is. Scripture just proves itself over and over and over again. Genesis 29, 21 through 30. Then Jacob said to Laban, 
Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go into her. In other words, have, have intimacy with her, sexual intercourse, and fulfill the marriage. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, the daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her, had sex with her. The, the, and Laban gave his maid Zilpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you you uh, this one also for the service which you will serve me with still another seven years. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. Okay, it looks like Jacob was unaware of the customs in the land of the people Haran, um, you know, that, that the younger should never be given before the older daughter. Laban switches, though, Rachel for, for Leah, and he blames it on the customs. And you say to yourself, how could this happen? You know, how could he go into her and have intimacy with Leah and not recognize that it's not Rachel? Well, they got to come up with a few ideas. Brides were heavily veiled back in those days. So obviously they must have been about the same size and shape. And even Jacob didn't notice. You can't picture Leah being overweight. And him, you know, he would have recognized that right away. Um, it was night. Of course, they don't have the bright lights like we have. You just have candles. Okay. Uh, feasts involved wine, as you well know. A lot of wine was there, so Jacob could have been really well lit and didn't notice. Um, remember Noah, when we studied him in chapter 6, 7, and 8 of Genesis, he was drunken. Always, you know, drunkenness was always connected with some kind of foolishness. And here, Jacob is fooled. Remember Lot? You know, he... He was always connected with, with drunkenness because he lived in Sodom, you know, and he hung around with the Moabites and the Ammonites. And, uh, you, know, um, you know, because of that, there was always trouble. Anytime you drink a lot, you know, every time you look at drinking in the Bible or getting plastered, as we call it today, it's always associated with some kind of horrible sin. Always. Every single time. But Paul does say, take a little wine for your stomach. You know, if your stomach's upset, obviously wine can be good for you. Okay? But it doesn't say, you know, um, you know, to get drunk. Just take a little, little wine for your stomach. I remember when I was a teenager, my dad fell over with a heart attack. And I was a teenager. I didn't know what to do, you know. But um, my dad was a pretty heavy drinker. You know, and he's a hard worker, a pretty heavy drinker. And the doctor told him, you need to quit drinking. 
But I want you to take a glass of wine, every red wine, every day. Okay? And my dad did that. And he dropped over when he was in his mid-40s, and he lived to a month shy of 80. Never had a trouble with his heart again because he quit the drinking, he just took the wine, did what the doctor said, and he was fine. Never had another, another trouble with his, his heart. So, again, it's scriptural. People, if you, uh, the doctor tells you to take a drink of wine. You don't take, you know, once a day. You don't take all seven and drink them all on Friday. <laughs> you know, you don't do that. That is not the intention of it, you know. Um, so, it is good for you. The Bible says take a little wine for your stomach, then it's a good thing. Not a lot of wine, a little wine. I know my mother-in-law was, you know, she is uh, staunch uh, Spanish, and some of their customs are really strong, and she re refused to take wine every, you know, never drink, never drink, never drink. And finally, the doctor told her, I don't know, a year or two ago, that, listen, you're 80-some years old, you know, you... You need to take a glass of wine every day. She had a hard time with that, but she's doing it now. And she's not perfect, but she's better. You know what I mean? She's still living on, praise the Lord, because she's a good, godly woman. Um, two reasons why Laban wants to do this is he wants to marry off Leah because she's plain. Obviously a tough woman, but she's plain looking. A lot of people don't want plain looking. You remember Abraham and Isaac? You know, they, they told uh, Pharaoh and Abimelech that they were, she, they were their sisters so that, the, so that uh, the Pharaoh and Abimelech wouldn't kill them. They would kill for a beautiful woman, you know. So uh, the same thing, I guess, would apply here, the principle anyhow. He wants uh, to retain Jacob's services too. Obviously, Jacob was a good worker, a hard worker. You know how things go. If you work hard, time passes quickly. You know, you're home before you know it at 5 o'clock if you work hard. Before you know it, it's, I know when I sit down to study the Bible, I think I'm going in there for, you know, an hour. I end up in there for four, five, six hours. And time just goes like that because I love to, love to do it. Um, Laban gives Leah a maid, and her name is Zilpha, soon to be the mother of, of Gad and Asher. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons. Zilpha, who was the handmaid of, of Leah, had sons, number seven and eight. Their name were Gad and Asher. Verse 25, in the morning, behold, it was Leah. What is this you have done to me, says Jacob? Why have you deceived me? I'll tell you one reason, because you sowed what you're reaping. That's number one reason. And then, of course, Laban substitute the older for the younger because that was the the law of the land so jacob is still just receiving what what he sowed god's breaking jacob down here breaking him down humbling him okay and we know that you know from hebrews that no chastisement seems to be joyful for the present but afterwards it's going to reap uh, a peaceable fruit of righteousness, says the scriptures. So the deceiver is deceived. Jacob meets his match, basically. <laughs> you know, Laban's older, more experienced. Laban is totally carnal-minded, okay? Laban's materialistic, as we saw in chapter 24. Laban wants to marry off Leva, uh, Leah, 
You know, so, you know, he's going to get his way one way or the other, okay? Laban knew Jacob would love Rachel and would work for him for another seven years, most likely. So he's there, like, hey, man, I'm going to get this guy for another seven years. Um, Laban's plan, he offers Rachel to Jacob for another seven years label, uh, labor. Laban is using Jacob's love for Rachel to get another seven years of free labor from him. So Rachel becomes Jacob's second wife, according to 20, verse 28 and 30. Okay? His second wife. By the way, this does not say that he had to wait seven years. If you, I've read different versions of the, of the scriptures. It, he actually, after Leah's week of marriage was fulfilled, in other words, them, you know, having intercourse and planning for children, you know, that Rachel was given to him after the week. So he honored his word. God's breaking him. He honored his word and he worked. You know, he got Leah, uh, Rachel as a wife, and he worked for Laban for another seven years. So, um, so I think that saved a little bit more peace with Laban and Jacob uh, by him doing that. But if you read the versions, it says, you know, it's basically, you know, not future, but now in the present, okay, by the verbs that are used. Rachel becomes his second wife, you know, um, and is, she's given to him prior to the seven years. And this gives Jacob hope, okay? And I know one of my favorite scriptures, and I've had it work in my life, Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes your heart sick. And if Laban would have did that, he might have been war, <laughs> you know. Um, you don't know, but... Hope deferred makes your heart sick. I, I told many people about the war friend experience. Anybody been here before, and they've they've heard me over the years tell you about over around World War II time. There was uh, some Norwegian scientists that they they uh, they it was called the Wharf Rat Study. Okay, and it was an experiment. What they did was take a big round tub of water. Okay. They stuck a rat in it with no place to rest, would have to swim, 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 okay? And they took the tub and put it in a dark room with no lights. It took something like a few hours for that rat to drown. So they did another experience, put a, a, a wharf rat in a tub again, filled it with water, no place to rest for the wharf rat, put it in a dark room with one beam of light, that rat swam for over 36 hours. You know why? Hope. Hope deferred makes your heart sick. I don't think a Jacob could have did it if Rachel wasn't given to him, you know, after the seven years after Leah's week was fulfilled. Light gives you, light is a source of energy. It's, it, it gives you strength. If you're in totally hopeless situation out there, and you don't have God, you don't have any light. And you're, you're going to drown. If you do have hope, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be able to swim the struggles of this world, and you will arrive safely home because God will save you. 
Three reasons why this makes the family dysfunctional. God's will is really for a, is not for a monogamous marriage. You know, one wife, one man for one wife. God proved that with Adam and Eve. As far as we know, Eve never had another man, and man never had another Eve. That was God's intention of marriage. Okay? But in those days, these guys conned up all kind of reasons, and even today, they still would like to do that. There are certain religions that like that, you know, that you, you um, can have more than one wife, but not according to the Scriptures. That isn't the way it's supposed to be. Okay? We know that Abraham had one wife, Sarah, but he went into Hagar for to, to produce the, the heir, okay, which was wrong. But he never married any other women except for, um, Sarah until, he, until Sarah passed, and then he married another woman, and she, he had more children than her, her, and then we went through that a couple chapters back. Paul... And the New Testament made it clear in 1 Corinthians 7, 2, Paul made it clear that only one man and one woman must be joined together. Because God in the beginning made them male and female. Uh, the two sisters, now we have sibling rivalry going on. And you know what? God warned against that in Leviticus 18, 18. Nor shall you take a woman as a rival to her sister. You see that? It's, it's already, even though the Mosaic Law wasn't written yet, you've got to remember that. But it's just a principle. It's, a, it's just what happens. You know, one woman will be loved more than the other, and they're going to sense it. Just like some kids in your family, some sense that they're loved more than, than the other. You know? Um, and it, it hurts. Um Jacob shows his favoritism, of course, because he loves Rachel more than Leah. Jacob didn't choose Leah. It was God who chose Leah. You know why? Because Leah, you know, is in the bloodline to Christ, to the Messianic line. Jacob wanted Rachel, but God wanted Leah. So she is in the Messianic line. She's one of the ones that, that are buried at Machpelah. Okay, and, and you know, there's Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Leah, because they are the Messianic line. Rachel is given a handmaid, and her name is Bilhah, and she's also the mother of Dan and Naphtali, who are the sons of Jacob. Leah was innocent in all of this mess, but later we see that God gives a fourth uh, son, number four, and she praises God, and she learns that God is her husband, really, uh, because her husband has rejected her. Isaiah 54, 5 says this, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. So, ladies, if you have a bad husband, remember the Lord's supposed to be your husband. And if you, you have him as a husband to fall back on. 
verses 31 through 35. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren, and Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. And she said, The Lord has surely looked at my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. You see the rejection she feels? Then she conceived again and bore a son, and because of the Lord has heard that I am unloved. See that? She senses the unloveness on being unloved. He has therefore given me a son also, and she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this is my husband. Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name is called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise God. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. And we see and we know that Judah is then the line to Messiah. So she's, he is the son of, of Leah. Notice in verse 31 that it's God that opens the womb. See, if you think that, uh, if you wonder if your children are from the Lord, if they're in your possession and you have children, guess what? It's a gift from the Lord. That person, that little child is a gift from God. Leah bears four sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. The birthright is going to pass through this line. Reuben loses the birthright because he went into his father's handmaid, Bilhah. That means he had sex with his father's wife. That disqualified him from being uh, heir to, you know, being uh, in the bloodline of Christ. Simeon and Levi, you know, are disqualified because their sister was raped by and her name was Dinah, okay, uh, by, by one of the Hivites, okay, and he raped her sister Dinah, and they come up with this concoction plan to tell them that they aren't going to give her to him as a wife because he loved her. I don't know how he could love her and rape her, but that's what, that's what it says. So, um, so, um, they devised a plan, well, you have to be circumcised like us or you can't have Dinah for a wife. So they got them circumcised. They agreed to it. And while they were healing, Simeon and Levi went in there and just wiped them all out with a sword. And they became mass murderers, mass murderers, premeditated murder, I might tell you. Then Judah, okay, that's the fourth son, and he's going to receive the blessing, Okay. Leah is driven by her husband's neglect, and God is going to bless her because of the neglect and the lack of love because she's the one that God really wanted for him, okay? Not that Rachel wasn't a good person. It was just God's plan. The greatest of the tribes, two greatest tribes come from Leah. Judah, which is the royal line to Messiah, Remember, Messiah will be the, the called the Lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelation 5.5. 5. Leah, obviously, is the spiritual woman. 
she's calling on the Lord all the time. Well, surely my, my husband will love me now because God has opened my womb. Surely God has seen my, me being unloved. She was calling on God. You can see it all through this. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, says Psalm 34, 18. And Leah had a broken heart because her husband didn't love her. He loved, he loved uh, Rachel more. Although Rachel was loved, you know, was loved, um, although Rachel was the love wife of Jacob, it was Leah who God chose. You got to remember Judah also. You got to remember now Judah, um, you got to remember he's the one that saved Joseph from being killed because the brothers wanted to kill Joseph. Okay? Out of the 12 brothers. It was jo Judah that saved him and said, hey, let's just put him in a pit and, or we'll sell him to, you know, well, instead of putting him in a pit, we'll sell him to the to the uh, Midianites going to Egypt, and they'll make a slave out of them in Egypt. They figured to be rid of them, but not kill them. So Judah is more the uh, the more righteous one, the line of the tribe of Judah, which came from Jacob and um, and and Leah. Okay, but this family, as we're going to see, is totally dysfunctional. You know, so if you have a dysfunctional family. God can still make good out of it. And I don't know a family on the face of the earth that is in, in some way dysfunctional because you aren't perfect. Anytime you get two sinners together, there's a problem. It's just, it's just the way it is. Okay? Genesis 49, you know, when, um, when Jacob passed, he says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. First of all, the scepter is for the king. In this case, it's reference to the king of kings will come from the line of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Shiloh is another name for the messianic line, for the Messiah is also called Shiloh. So the Messiah is going to have a scepter. He's going to rule over Israel, and he's going to rule over the world as we know it, okay? And, of course, that's about, that's about it. You know, we can, you can go on and on and dig out more, but that's about it for tonight. So next week, next week, we're actually going to see, uh, and we get in chapter 30, and we're going to see uh, a frustrated employee or entrepreneur, you could say. He's going to be very frustrated with Laban. Okay? So let's close in prayer. Okay? Father, for, for what we've learned tonight, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit um, take the parts that need to be applied to our life and applied, um, applied to us in our lives so that we can serve you with all of our, all of our hearts. For those women out there that maybe... Um, can't have a baby, but her husband and her are trying so hard. Lord, I pray that you might open their womb. Just like, like uh, Leah did, she called upon the Lord. And the Lord, you gave her uh, sons, Lord God. And one of those sons became the royal line all the way up to, to Messiah. And Lord, I know people that were taking 
up to this altar and prayed over that they were trying to have children for eight years and couldn't have any children. And they were even on the verge of divorce because they had lost several miscarriages. But Lord, we brought them up here, we prayed for them, and within three months you opened her womb. And now they have two beautiful children. And Lord, we thank and we praise you. So Father, we know that you know, if we come to you, Father, in Jesus' name, he said that you would do it for us. So, Lord, we're, for those women and men out there that want a child but doesn't seem to happen, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open the woman's womb and that they would never forget that that gift of that child is from you, whether it be male or female. And if they get any more, Lord God, that they too would know that the fruit of the womb is from you. Father, we give you these, this study in Jesus' name. To God, you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Love you all. <clears throat>